Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Featuring Our Opinions. We're your hosts. And Kavya. Tonight, we're sharing our opinions with a special guest. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hey, Kimberly Anderson Flores, Maestro de Español. Um, quick disclaimer before we jump in. All the, con- all the content discussed in this podcast, unless otherwise specified, is fabricated and subjective. In other words, these are our opinions and they are not facts or assertions. All right, let's jump into Miss Anderson. So, um, our first question is, what's your favorite thing to do to de-stress? <laughs> e- well, hmm, to de-stress. That's something I've been working on a lot lately, actually. Uh, to tell the truth, I go on a lot of walks, a lot of walks, I walks at the beach, walks at the lake, walks with my dog. I also started getting therapy (laughs) because the COVID has been rather stressful and teaching and except that I had not been able to do what I really like, which is going to the Y and swimming. And I'm not a big athlete, but I like the social life at the Y and I haven't been able to do that. And so I found myself face to face with me and it's been pretty stressful. So I don't know. I'm always looking for ways to de-stress, but walking and you know being with friends and yes i have an occasional glass of wine (laughs) (laughs) am i allowed to say that (laughs) yeah (laughs) well i gotta be truthful yeah yeah i let's go off a little bit on that how important is honesty to you and why do you think it's so important how important is what honesty well it's really hard for me not to be super honest in fact uh, I remember when my mother, may she rest in peace, she died when I was 27, but she wrote a poem for my psych class at San Marcos. Actually, it was called like personal psychology or something. And she wrote a poem about me. And, I, and I'll never forget a line that really struck me is she said that I was honest to a fault. And she was writing about me when I was 16. Honest to a fault, if you can imagine what that means, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's the part that people either love or hate about me. I think my students love it. People in my personal life don't always love it. Um, I'm about as authentic as they get. So it is hard for me to edit who I am. I try to sometimes if I feel that I have to in in certain situations in my professional life, etc. But um yeah, the honesty is probably the most important thing. In fact, in fact, you know, I have a husband of 30 years and I, I've always said to him, if you're ever going to go out on me or if anything's ever, because, you know, when you're married that long, you face whatever you face. But I've always said to him, whatever you do, let's just say that we're going to be honest to the level of we wouldn't find out later because it would be so offensive it would be so horrible to be living with somebody who's not honest with you. You much rather have them say either tell the truth about what they feel about you or say, you know, oh, I'm not wanting to be with you anymore or whatever it is. And that's just in my home life. But yeah, in fact, yeah. So the, sometimes I have to huh, limit my honesty. <laughs> so I would have yeah. to probably the one most important thing value that I value in my I think that's like 
So one thing that's really like nice to be around you because you're always like not honest in a way where you would be mean, but honest in a way that you just be yourself. And I think that's like a super important quality that like as people grow up, they tend to like be more themselves. But I think that's like one of my favorite things about you. Yeah. And I think because so we know each other as teacher and students. And as I said, I either kids are going to either love me as a teacher, or they're going to not love me as a teacher. But one thing that I've often read when kids write a little letter or write in my yearbook or whatever, they'll say things like, I really love the fact that you're so honest, or I really love the fact that you're so real, that you don't, um, you know, change it up because we have some false professional life that we're supposed to be a certain way for our students. Um, and, and that that would be different from who we really are because I think that's what makes me who I am. And that's what makes me connect with the students is that I, you know, I've gotten in some trouble because of it probably, but mostly I've gotten to have a relationship because of it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I was thinking about a girl who, <laughs> a girl who wrote me recently. Well, no, not recently. Recently, she wrote me and actually did a little interview like this with me too, but not online. And this is a little more nerve wracking to be live. Um, but she was writing it, and um, I remember I said to her, and see, here's my brain. I can't remember her name, but I totally remember her face. And I said to her, I remember you. I said you were the one who wrote me a letter. She got. For some reason, the substitute asked her to step out or she stepped out of the room, which would be totally never. I would never do that. I would never ask a kid to step out of the room. And she did. And she wasn't a bad kid at all. But she wrote me a letter while sitting out of the room. And I had a substitute teacher there. And she went on and on about how much she loved having me as a teacher. But one, it, it wasn't so much about learning the Spanish, although, yeah, she mentioned that or whatever. But one thing she mentioned, which I thought was funny, because as you know, I do music in class and dance around or whatever. She talked about how music at lunchtime was happening and how she so respected me because I just like totally got into the live band that we had at Lachlina Junior High. I was dancing around and I didn't care what anybody thought about me. And she thought that was really great. You know, and to me, I, I think, well, really? Big deal. But then if I look around, there's no other teachers standing there dancing and jumping around with me. So, so it must be something unique. But I don't always realize it. Yeah. You are an extremely unique person. And I think you're a teacher that most students will never, ever forget. Um, how well do you remember your students and how big of an impact do they leave on you? Well, really big. Like, okay, so you guys are here and, and it's kind of funny. So I've been, this is, I'm in year 31, you know, and this is my 31st year or something like that. I got my 30 year pin last year. Oh my goodness. Um, and I'll see, I'll see people out in public where I'll be like, you were my student and they may or may not remember me, but I remember them sometimes even more than they remember me. Not necessarily always their names. Cause imagine if we did the math, right? Like in yeah. Japan, I have 150 kids times, you know, well not the whole 30 years. Cause the first nine years I was a elementary school teacher. So it would have been just 30 kids times nine years. And then about 150 kids at times 20 years. And, 
that's a lot of kids, you know, Yeah. Um, but I'll see them and I'll remember everything about them. Even if I don't remember their name it's really often because it's, I don't know, it's who I am and it's who I learn a lot from the students. You know, I'm really um, blessed that I understand and see that the students are much wiser and smarter than I am most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I feel so lucky, you know, I feel like, like, okay, I could have retired this year with this whole COVID thing. And um, because I've been doing it 30 years, you know, and I, I, just to be honest, it's not my best money situation if I retire right now, but that's not really why I stayed. You know, I stayed because I don't, I do fight my own demons. You know, I, um, I laughed and I said about my way, oh, I've gained weight. I'm so glad we're not recording <laughs> what we look like <laughs> doing this. And, and I think that a lot of people have talked about that, right? The, the quarantine and mine has been more like Corin 30 um, because I tend to don't know what to do with myself. You know, like I'm not, I don't, I can't list 400 million things I do to de-stress or that I'm so productive. Or when you say you want to hear about my passions outside of school, I kind of chuckle because, yeah, I, you know, I can think of some actually, but school is my passion. And so and I think that I'm not unique in that. I think that teachers, when we are left facing ourselves in the mirror and that's it, sometimes we're like, okay, now what? <laughs> because teaching is so um, all-encompassing of who we are. And if we're doing it well, we have to really, really give of ourselves and we have to be open to give, to get back you know, and to receive, receive whatever it is the kids are giving us. And so there, here I am at home and I'm still struggling a lot. Uh, I mean, more than ever, right. With the whole COVID and teaching online has really been difficult, but I have all this time also. And so I find myself overeating, under exercising, not reading as much. In fact, I said to a friend recently, well, I forgot how to read. I'm like, I don't even know why. I think because I'm distracted in my mind so much. And it's not that I don't read. Like I like to read books, but the truth be told, I haven't finished a book in, in, I don't know, three months or something like that. And I don't really know why. Um, but boy, have I found the good food to eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's just like over this whole quarantine, especially like, it's just, I've, I don't know, like, same thing with me. Like, I have hardly read, like, at all. And I think it's crazy how, like, much we can change in a little short of time. So, like, how do you think you as a person have changed over time, over the quarantine, or just, like, over your entire life? Hmm. It's funny. I think that in some ways, um, and, I, and I'll quote my father on this one. I remember when I was a teen and having a teen freak out and looking at myself in the mirror and going, saying something like to my dad, like, I, I don't feel like what I look at when I look in the mirror, I don't feel like what I'm looking in the mirror goes with what's in my head. I don't, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but, but it was very real to me that I wasn't who I was. Like I couldn't connect the spirit me with the physical me. And 
he said to me, oh, honey, that's a struggle. That's the human dilemma. That's the struggle you're going to have forever. And he said, and what happens is you're going to get older and you're going to look in the mirror and you're still going to be the young person, but you're going to see this old person looking at you. And then that's a disconnect that you're having. So, and, and what he kind of was trying to say, and I really agree with it is, it's bizarre, you guys. You change, but you don't change. I don't it it like you're you're still who you are. Like your personality doesn't change that much. Um, I think you might get more or less the way you always were. You could be stronger one way or another, but you don't change that much. And um I find it interesting you asking me that very directly because I have a side of me that you know, again, if this is published to the whole entire world, I do have to edit what I say on Kavya and Dicklon's um, interview because I have a I have my own demons that I struggle with. And one thing I'll tell you, I got involved in spiritual growth during all this. That is, I laugh and say therapy. That's one part of it. Um, ah, I don't know. I um because I have addictions, I, f- I find that I have addictions. I find I have addictive behavior. And one of them is codependent behavior. And then codependent behavior, which I won't go in a big 10 minutes of explaining what that is, but those can lead to addictions like you find yourself overeating too much or whatever. So I got involved in therapy and I also got involved in 12-step programs. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Mm-hmm. Typically, twelve-step programs are for like you. Well, you'll most hear them about alcoholicness, but I don't find that I'm an alcoholic. Although I could be, I think I could be. I think I control that. I think so. The twelve-step programs I get have gotten involved with, or the one especially, is called codependent and adult child of an alcoholic. So that is somebody who um, I control my outward addictions like over drinking or over whatever, you know, no, I don't weigh 600 pounds. I probably need to lose 30 pounds, but I, or 40 pounds or sometimes 50, but I find myself struggling with that or um, the way I interact with other people. Codependency is when you just to say it really quickly is when you, try to fix other people, which if you were to be really have this interview with a lot of teachers, I think, and if they were to be truly honest with you, they would agree with what I'm saying, that most often teachers want to fix people. They want to, they feel responsible for society. Why? Because maybe they were raised in a situation that made them feel that way. And um, what my situation was that my father was an alcoholic. And so I was raised in a situation where like, I I listened to one of your podcasts and Kavya, you were talking about how you felt so privileged because your family structure didn't really present you with challenges in ways that other family structures might present you with. Did I hear that correctly? I think I did. Um, And so that's really great and really lucky for you. But (laughs) I think something that made me who I am is that my family was very challenging. I had a alcoholic father and my mother weighed 400 pounds and she was five foot 
seven or five foot six. And they were much more into themselves than they were their kids. And then, of course, I grew up like in the 60s and 70s. So we were kind of ignored. You know, it was like, oh, as long as you as long as you gave your kids a house and, you know, they had a decent house and decent clothes and food like that. That was it. You know, I don't remember my parents going out of their way to be, you know, really emotionally supportive or involved with me or give me opportunities. In fact, they they limited my opportunities because they they were much more into their own opportunities. And so, I mean, that's sort of a short way to explain it. But this summer, you asked me how I changed and I made huge changes in that um, I talked to a family therapist, but I'm involved in this 12-step program, which is based on the same 12 steps that Alcoholic Anonymous is based on, but that those 12 steps that you take, you could be, um, this is from a different point of view, right? So like you've got the crystal is cut with all these different cuts, right? And maybe the alcoholic person is looking at life a certain way through, through a certain cut of that crystal, while the person that they're affecting, the children, are looking at life through the different cut of the crystal. So I found myself as this adult going, wait a minute, why do I act this certain way? Or why do I feel this certain way? Or why do why does everybody tell me how great I am as a teacher or this, that, and the other thing? And yet I don't, I don't feel that way. I feel mm -hmm. like not enough, like most of the time. And, and then if I don't, I feel like not enough. And so what do I do? I, I try to, fix other people. And one thing that that means is that you try to influence the people around you so that they'll do it sort of like your way in a way. I mean, it's really hard. It, it, I'm going on and on, but it you asked me very directly how I changed. And it's been a, this summer and the COVID and everything has been a huge time for change for me because I am taking these 12 steps and I'm doing it as an adult child of an alcoholic meaning I'm looking at who I am, what are my behaviors, what's good about them, what's bad about them, and how can I fix myself before I certainly shouldn't be fixing other people. Mm -hmm. And it ends up, the process makes it so that you let go of a lot of resentments, you let go of a lot of stuff, and it makes you... Uh, rely on your higher power as you understand higher power. Some people mm -hmm. call it God. So I have been taking these steps to help myself, which include looking at very specifically like resentments I have towards people, places, or things, and not looking at the people, places, or things that I have the resentments towards. I mean, that's a brief part of it. The part you're really supposed to look at is, what is your part? You know, how do you react to it? How does that affect your life? And how can you do it differently? And when, how do you do it differently? You do it by having a higher power. However you decide that higher power is like, it doesn't have to be a Christian God or a, any kind of certain kind of God, but some people believe that higher power is God. <laughs> is that kind of heavy, you guys? I'm sorry. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, yeah, it's all about like how you like how you think and how you answer these questions. So whatever you think is totally fine. <laughs> I know. Yeah. 
That's kind of big. I mean, I don't know what you, yeah, whatever. I can be, like I said, I'm really honest. Yeah. Trying to be really honest because that makes it interesting. I mean, if somebody's going to do a podcast, you don't want to hear me say, oh, I'm changing by, you know, I'm knitting more. (laughs) I mean, actually I did take up knitting, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but that's the knitting isn't making me changing and I'm not making me change and I'm not doing it that much, but I feel successful. Um, in what I am doing in trying to change myself, which makes me a better parent um, in an interesting sort of a way. I used to be too loose and now I feel like I'm more clear in who I am and, and what I should be doing for, for me, for reals and not inflicting myself on other people, but sort of letting go of that. So as a parent, that means, Okay, my adult children, you guys probably heard a lot about Ben and Ruby, right? Uh-huh. So now they're 20 and turning 21. And I've learned a lot in this whole process of change that has resulted in me letting go and letting God. You know, like I'm going to love my children with an open hand. If, if Ben is going to choose to be a certain way, that's his choice. But, but I have the choice to have a household that I want a certain way. And if he can fit into it, great. But if he can't, then, then he can't. And, and that instead of fighting about it, we both just have to choose our ways. And, and that's sort of a weird, it's hard maybe for you to understand what I mean, but he's not living at home right now, for example. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Okay. There, there's my <laughs> It's kind of big. Yeah. And this is kind of a little bit more of like a positive answer or question. Um, And, you know, teaching is clearly really important to you. And it's a huge part of your identity, as you discussed. It's your passion. And, you know, why do you think that, I mean, you know, you chose this career pathway for a reason, but why do you think it's been so important to you? What has really just made it so influential in your life? Part of it is what I just talked about. And I think it fulfills the desire to fix people. So it fulfills a sickness I have, which is codependency. So that's a negative answer. But the good positive answer is that that is also a very positive thing, isn't it? Helping people. If you turn it around from fixing people, you're helping people. And so... It, 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 it's all about service. So to cure yourself of being a self-centered person, you should, in my opinion, it's my opinion, but it's also the opinion of what I've been learning about, you should be serving others. And so teaching fulfills my higher power call to serve others. And so when I was in fourth grade, I read Helen Keller, the book, Helen Keller, if you guys know what that is, who she was. Mm-hmm. And when I read that book, mm-hmm. she had that special teacher, Annie Sullivan. I'll never forget the book because when I was in fourth grade and I read the book, I decided I was going to be a teacher. That was it. And I never changed my path. And I was not like Declan and Kavya where school was easy. And I was highly motivated and got good grades. No, 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 no. In fact, it was very not that way. It was oh very gosh. not that way for me. I, I, you know, I, I used to say this in class how I failed French twice, and I almost didn't graduate high school actually. 
from San Marcos. I, w- I graduated in 1980, um, but I had a very hard time in high school. And then college, I, I was sort of the, you know, the tortoise in the hare. I was the tortoise. I had to really go slow and take only a few classes and I had to work at the same time. I never stopped, never stopped though. No matter what challenge was in front of me, I never stopped going to school little by little because I always knew I was going to be a teacher. And the why part is just, I'll just repeat it again, because it fulfills my connection with higher power. I feel that I'm connected to my higher power, God, as you want to talk about God, by serving others. And I do that through my teaching. And so I, it, it's completely fulfilling all the time, even when it's challenging. It, especially when it's challenging, I would have to say. Yeah. That was like a super deep answer. I really like that, how it just, it's always been your calling. And I think you've really found your calling. Um, if you could go back in time like we're talking a lot about the past if you could go back in time and like would you change anything about your past or are you all right with everything because it's led to because it has led you to where you are today hmm. what a shoulda coulda Declan. what <laughs> it is and it's interesting because my husband just asked me that same question last night interestingly and um but he said it around like if you having children or if you something had make it you know give you a barrier would do you think you'd still end up where you are today um i would say if i had anything to change and i'm just going to say this i mean i love my husband and but we don't have a perfect relationship and in fact we were if i'm going to be really honest we were married and divorced and married again to each other to each other. Um, And so it hasn't been super healthy emotionally always. Um, It's been like swimming upstream. And so if I don't know, you know, I don't know what it would have been instead. I might've changed that because my suggestion to people, to young people would be choose a partner that doesn't make you feel like you're swimming upstream choose a partner where you uh, where it's easier, where it's just easier, just everything. I, I don't even need to be specific about that. But then if I stop and really think he, he has always celebrated me, but we're not, we're, we're very different from each other. So it's been very, very, a lot of work, a lot of work, um, our relationship. So if, if maybe that might be something I, I would say, um, but as far as the career and all of that stuff, not really. You know, I can talk about my bad habits or this and that, but my path and the fact that, you know, I traveled when I was young and I took a long time going to school and I worked and went to school all at the same time and always knew I was going to be a teacher. Yeah, I wouldn't change any of that. I wouldn't change any of that. Like I would never, I wouldn't have wanted to speed through college, for example, to be a teacher earlier than I was because I was 27 or 28. You can be a teacher when you're 25. Well, that sounds like a short amount of time, but those three or four years that it took me a bit longer, it meant that I was working, I was traveling and I was doing some cool things in there. So actually I wouldn't change it. I really wouldn't, yeah. change it. except maybe my husband. Oh my, <laughs> oh my goodness, but we're still together. You know, yeah. there's a higher power right there. 
I think that's really a sign of like a fulfilled life if you're happy with how everything turned out and you're just content with it. Yes, Declan, because (laughs) you know why? Because I could sit and tell you what's wrong with him or whatever, blah, blah. But guess what? You have to be happy with you. And then you can be happy with almost anybody. Because as long as you fulfill you, the guy or gal who's standing next to you, it's not that hard to love people. It's kind of easy to love people. And if you love yourself and you fulfill you and you make yourself happy and you don't, you know, you don't not do stuff because of that other person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like some people limit themselves because of the other person. I used to do that with him. That's codependency. That's codependency. But I've actually come so far with him and not just this summer, but over, say, the last 10 years or even 20 years when my kids were born, which gave me this purpose of of being a mom and being a professional and et cetera, et cetera. It almost didn't matter if I was happy with him or not. You know, he, I need to be happy with me. And that's the best advice I can give everyone out there and every young person. You have to be honest with you and make sure that you find out who you are and then make yourself happy. And when, and it sounds so cliche, but it's so true. That's where the cliches come from somewhere, right? Because because they're true. <laughs> they're true. If you're happy, then you can be okay with the um, adversity that's presented in life. And I think that is such a positive note and it's the best place to start yeah. kind of wrapping it up. So I just want to say thank you to everyone who was listening. Thank you for spending your time listening to our podcast. We hope you tune in next Tuesday evening. As always, feel free to reach out and let us know if there are any opinions you want us to feature. If you missed our last episode, it was featuring one of our other teachers. Be sure to check it out. Until next time, Miss Anderson, would you like to or give the audience favorite, a quote um, to consider? Show me that ahead. <laughs> <laughs> My motto, um, motto your yeah, I don't motto. really have a motto. I don't, I, that's putting me on the spot, but you know what my motto is, amori, paz, love and peace all the time. Because if you really think about that, which is so, I, I always talk about it, right? Love and peace. Because if you have love and peace in your heart all the time, you're going to be connected with higher power. You're going to have love and peace for yourself and for others. And the world is going to be a better place. <laughs> That is beautiful. Thank so you. Have I a love great you night, too. everybody. Bye. Have a wonderful Bye. rest Thank of your you. week.